Blog Talk Radio.
and um, we're going to talk about some current events. Now, one of the current events we're going to talk about today is um, actor Charlie Sheen. Now, if you've been living under the rock, under a rock, you unless you've been living under a rock, you would know that he came out as HIV positive um, this past week. So we're going to talk about that. Um, just the details of that. That's just that's just a really complicated situation there. Um, we're going to also talk about what is undetectable HIV. So we're going to be um, doing a little educational broadcast tonight as well. Um, also, we're going to discuss the killings that took place in New Orleans where 16 people were shot and killed after a block party, you know, which was supposed to be a family event. You know, um, most of the people that were shot and wounded were uh, children. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Black Lives Matter and the controversy that they're under currently, as well as Donald Trump. Now, you you all know that he's been in the news a lot lately, and he's getting more and more ridiculous, and he's, he's starting to be um, really viewed as, well, he, you know, he's not hiding it, um, as a straight-up bigot and a racist. So we're going to talk about that. And also we're going to talk about the Indianapolis couple, or well, the pastor, I think, Davey Blackwell and his wife. They moved here from South Carolina to establish the church. We're going to talk about um, that devastating uh, murder, as well as uh, I guess they caught two of the suspects that were responsible of you know, for this crime. So we're going to get on that and just whatever you guys want to talk about. So we're still trying to um, get everything together. We're still, you know, wanting everybody to call in. Again, it's 646-915-8200. And plus, I got some inside information from somebody today. Now, on my Facebook page, and hopefully, Terrica, I'm, you know, I'm calling you out because you said you might call in about these Patty LaBelle pies. Now, sources tell me here in Indianapolis that there was a gentleman um, on 38th Street selling Patty LaBelle pies out of his trunk. So now we're we dealing with people bootlegging. Patty LaBelle pies. So we're gonna get on to that, and and if, if you're listening, I, I need you to call in at six four six nine one five eight two hundred. I know somebody out there know about these Patty LaBelle pies being bootlegged, and people calling them out they trunk. So I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm gonna need y'all to just, you know, meditate on that for a minute. And we're going to go to a, a, a quick song because I'm still in shock about this. Now, what? Now, Indianapolis, I, I, uh-uh. Indianapolis I'm, I'm really ashamed of y'all. Now, it's, it's bad enough we already got a high crime rate. Now, y'all y'all stooping to an all-time low bootleg and sweet potato pies, which was probably your mama's sweet potato pies. She done been baking since Sunday to feed all you Negroes. Y'all sitting up here selling those pies out your trunk line saying Miss LaBelle side sold them pies. So 
Anyways, we're going to get on that here in a little bit. We're going to go to a song uh, in keeping with the uh, Thanksgiving spirit. Well, we're we going to probably say that long. Latest, take me to the green. Take me to the king, but take me to the greens. So we're going to go to a little um, song here, and we will be back after these messages, or after this song, I should say.
wish I'd come home. Wish I'd come home at night. Girl, I wish I never quit. Oh, Lord, Here I am at your house Y'all 
to the king. The truth is I'm lying. I just got paid. I'm just too cheap to even bring Have you ever 
know known anybody in your family or just known anybody comes to holiday functions and they just come just to eat. They don't bring a oh, paper yeah. cup, a uh, 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 a plastic fork, a can, of, not not even a can, a fifty cent pop. And, I mean, yeah. not one of them thirty five cent can pops you can get at Walmart at that machine. Oh, and like, I'm, like they said, I'm sure every family has one. I know yeah. mine does. <laughs> that's, you know, that just leads me into, you know, what are some of the do's and don'ts of the holiday season? Now, I will, I will say this. One of the do's, you need to, you do need to wash your hands when you come over. You yeah. do. Do need to contribute. I know that's one of the dudes right there. I mean, because the holidays is supposed to be about family sharing and caring. And what what kind of sharing and caring is it? And I understand we all come up on harsh times, so I'm not talking about the people that. But I'm just talking about girl. You know, you just got paid. Now, some of y'all know y'all get more food stamp than the law should allow. And you want to come empty-handed. Now, you've been spending your... Now, you knew the holidays was coming up all month long. You've been knowing about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving falls on the same... Around the same time every year. But you want to spend your food stamps up instead of taking care of business and bringing some food to the festivities. Now, I got a problem with that. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not saying everybody on food but I say, come on now. We, we, we all... Thanksgiving is not about what you can get. You need to be thankful, but yet you need to be giving. It's Thanksgiving. You're supposed to give thanks, but you're supposed to be giving as well. So it's not about all about you and what you can get. You know what I'm saying? It's it's about, you know, sharing and caring with the people that you that you that you love. I mean, am I right? I mean, if I'm wrong, just let me know. You know, so I, I don't know. But uh, those are some of the do's and don'ts of the holiday season. Now, on a more serious um, note, I did get a text from one of my listeners. Um, and, you know, I just hate stories like this because people always miss the the big picture of things. Um Locally, like I mentioned, um, um, Pastor Davy Blackburn lost his wife, um, Amanda Blackburn, and um, I guess like it was a home invasion. Two young guys. They did catch the two guys that were responsible. We're gonna go to a couple of clips in a minute, but I hate situations like this where the perpetrator happens to be African American, and you. You have ignorant trolls on news sites, which they need to start monitoring, doing a better job watching those sites for this type of rhetoric. And I understand there's some of expression, but some things just need to be nipped in the bud because always it's always the racist trolls that want to come out and make these comments when um, situations rise. And I'm not going to give this any of my valuable time. I'm not going to do that. But we have to be as we were just discussing last week, you can't take a situation 
And like like people were saying with the bombings in Paris, like a lot of people were starting to point fingers at the Muslims. And they feel that all Muslims should be condemned because of these actions. But the same can be said about situations like this. And I just don't want people to get into this mindset of where we're starting to categorize people and, like, point the finger at other people and saying, hey, that's typical typical black behavior. But these same people that want to spill that type of um, language, they have nothing to say. When their people do something wrong, there's nothing to be said. When they're in the wrong, nothing's to be said. But as long as it's someone else that's that's committing a crime, they can point their finger at them and, 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 and say this, that, and the other. And I, I just don't want people to get into that type of uh, mindset. So we're going to go to a clip that kind of um, puts this situation in perspective. And when we come back, um, Michael, we're going to discuss this. Indianapolis pastor's pregnant wife dies following home invasion. Two days after being shot during what police believe was a home invasion robbery, Amanda Blackburn, the pregnant wife of an Indiana pastor, passed away on Thursday. Indianapolis pastor Davey Blackburn returned home from a gym at 8.30 a.m. on Tuesday and found his wife Amanda suffering from at least one gunshot wound. Amanda Blackburn, who was 12 weeks pregnant with the couple's second child, was transported to hospital in critical condition. She hovered near death on Wednesday, with reports confirming she was shot in the head after an apparent home invasion robbery. Her husband, Davey Blackburn, was quickly ruled out as the suspect. After investigators found a time-stamped video showing him at a local fitness center during the time the crime was committed. On Thursday, Amanda was taken off life support. Her organs were donated in accordance with her wishes. The couple's young son, Weston, was in the home at the time of the attack, but was not injured. An $1,000 reward has been offered for information leading to a suspect. The Blackburns moved from South Carolina to Indianapolis in 2012 to found Resonate Church, a growing ministry with a mission, according to their website, to connect with those who normally wouldn't connect with a church. Authorities say another burglary was reported on the same block three hours before Amanda was found, but it's unknown if the two crimes were related. Like this video? Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. Today charges murder and felony murder and multiple counts of burglary, robbery, theft, and other charges has been filed against Larry Taylor, Jr. He is charged with the knowing or intentional killing of Amanda Blackburn, as well as uh, two counts of felony murder. In addition, Jalen Watson has been charged with felony murder and likewise multiple counts of burglary, robbery, theft, and, and other charges. Uh, the first significant break was um, a DNA CODIS hit uh, that tied Mr. Watson to what was believed to be the uh, uh, sweater or T-shirt that covered the face of the individual who was utilizing uh, the bank card of Amanda Blackburn. Uh, the detectives worked tirelessly without sleep, long hours. They put in a lot of time to make sure we bring justice. We want people to understand we're serious about bringing back the issue of peace and tranquility to our neighborhoods. All right, we're back. And I think that's the thing that bothers me about situations like this. Like, so many times we as people, we have selective outrage on certain things. And I, I feel that to 
to me, life is life, regardless of, of who it is. And to me, like, we, we pick and choose who we we are outra- outraged is aimed towards. You know, and I think we as a society, we need to quit that because when anyone loses their life, I think that we all should be concerned. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, based on the victim, there's been several victims that have been killed. And, and I'm not trying to minimize the situation, but I, you know, um, you know, I'm a journalism major. So, I, I you know, I studied this. I, I know how um, the how media works. And, like, you know, there's always a sense of sensationalism that is uh, spent towards certain stories. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could have the same, you know, situation, but in a different setting. But, you know, the news is going to cover it or spin it in a different way. And I think a lot of the biases that we have as a society – I think it's kind of linked to how the media kind kind of spins things. We just have to be careful. Like you, you know, that's just the biggest thing I want people to take away from this. It is very unfortunate this happened, and it's just you know it just really speaks volumes to what is going on, not only in the city of Indianapolis but in the world. You know, but we have to. Uh, kind of start digging and researching ourselves. We have to kind of like change our mindset and stop allowing the media to uh, totally brainwash us. And because, because a lot of the, 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 the um, ideas that we have and the perceptions of things that we have is based on what we've been feed, fed by not only just the media, but just, just, just to, just everything around us. So we have to be, have our own code of ethics and way of thinking about things. So I don't know if you, you know, how do you feel about that, Michael? Yeah. And I, I see exactly. If you, you know, and I think it applies across the board to so many things on, like you say, how it's spent or how they spend it. I mean, Look at political candidates. Look at, uh, you know, tragedies that occur in the news or uh, just – you could think of it just about how anything comes across is that spin has such a big dramatic effect that we don't even realize how far that reaches. And mm-hmm. something that I'm sure that a lot of us don't even consider because we're so programmed to going about our normal way. Right. I do I do kind of feel that uh, we our our perceptions on things and just our uh, frame of reference is is totally and I like like we were talking about last week you know we can't always blame the media for everything but to some people that's all they have they don't have life experiences they don't have um, a lot of contact you know a lot of people live in small towns they don't have much exposure to the world outside of that and what they see in the news what they see in the media is what their perception is on a lot of things so i think that um it becomes our responsibility at one point uh, you know we as consumers we have to kind of like you know we have to do our own research we have to be willing to interact with different 
cultures. We have to be able to be open-minded and, and not just take everything we get on television or in the news, like take it as take it for face value. You know, get you know, get out there and research. Get out there and become interactive in the world around you. Yeah, and you see what I'm saying? Comment that you had last week that got a laugh, but you know it wasn't meant to be. I mean, it was meant to be funny, but it's true, and that's the sheeple. Yeah. Don't be a sheeple. Actually, be a person and educate yourself. Right. Yep. So, I don't know. Two nine four. Are you still listening at this point, or do you have something to add to the conversation? I believe they're just probably listening. Okay. Um, we're going to move on to, uh, let's see what else we want to talk about. I definitely want to get on um, this entire Charlie Sheen uh, situation as it relates to him coming out as being HIV positive. Um, I guess uh, he's... Okay, let me put this in perspective. Like, so I guess he went on, I believe, Good Morning America, and um, they he his goal of coming on there, I believe, you know, it wasn't it wasn't to me trying to educate people or trying to be an inspiration to anybody, but that's just my personal opinion. Like, you know, I think he was be, he was being blackmailed by certain individuals that. Um, by unsavory individuals that he allowed into his home. Like, you allowed these these people into your home, and now you're upset because they're blackmailing you, and they're using information against you to extort money out of you. And I think that you were just trying to use that as a way, because I guess he said um, um, he had been extorted, like, up to upwards, like $10 million from, from people, uh, threatening to put pictures of his antiviral medications and just like just different things around his house, like indicating that he was HIV positive. And and I guess the, the thing has came up too because there's people out there trying to sue him for uh, not exposing his knowing that he's been HIV positive for at least four years. And I don't know if these are people that were uh, just trying to get money out of him or these were these legitimate people. I just don't, he claims that he didn't, he, he did expose his status to people and they still want to have sex with him. And, and he was upfront and honest with everyone. But to me, it just doesn't, something's not adding up to this. So we're going to go to this interview really quick. And then um, when we come back, we're gonna break things down, and I'm I'm gonna get my opinion about it. And Michael, I'm gonna see if you have something to um, add to it as well. Uh, I'm gonna to try to pull this clip up, and then we're gonna come back after this. Charlie Sheen is known to millions for his award-winning body of work on television and in the movies. But this morning, he's here to talk about something immensely personal and private. Charlie, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you, man. How you, you been? Good, good, good. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. We've spoken a lot over the last couple yes. of days. And, Let me uh, just say first and foremost that your producing team, uh, uh, Katie Disler and uh, The Zim, 
have been awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yes. you. Um, as, as, as have you. Thank you. Yeah, we, just, we, just absolute compassion, and, and uh, it's, 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 it just means the world. Thank you. Well, thank you. We, you know there are a lot of rumors sure. out there right now, and, and you would like to address them head on, so I'll, I'll well, give it to, to you. Go I ahead. I have to, yeah. Um, I'm here to, to admit that I am, in fact, uh, HIV positive. Um, and I, um, I, I, I have to put a, a, a stop to this, this, this onslaught, um, this, this barrage of, of, uh, of, of attacks and of, 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 of sub-truths and, um, and, and very, um, very harmful and, 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 and material stories that, 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 that are about the, 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 the threatening the health of, of so many others, which, is, which is, couldn't be farther from the truth. I want to talk about those in a second. How many people have you told about this? Um, I've told enough that I trusted to uh, be in the in the position in the situation that I'm that I'm in today. People you thought you could trust at the time? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. How long have you yeah. known about this? When were um, you diagnosed? Uh, roughly uh, four years ago. Yeah, it it, it 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 started with what I thought based on this series of, of, of cluster headaches and um, insane migraines and, and, and sweating the bed, completely drenched uh, two, three nights in a row that I, I was emergency hospitalized. I thought I had brain tumor. I thought it was, I thought it was over. Um, after a battery of tests and spinal taps, all that crap, um, it, uh, they walked in the room and said, boom, here's what's going on. It's, 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 it's a hard um, three letters to absorb, you know? It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a turning point in, in, in one's life. Four years you have been trying to keep this secret. Yeah. And you have said that you have been the victim of betrayal and extortion. You told me that a lot of people have actually demanded money to stay silent about this. That is true. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, have, uh, I, have, I, have, I have paid <laughs> those people. Not, not, not that many, um, but, but enough to where it is... Um, Depleted the, the the future. How many people have have you paid? Um, I jeez, I, I don't I don't want to guess wrong, um, but uh, enough to bring it in, into the millions. Um, and and that's that's what 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 people forget is that that that's money they're taking from my children. You know, they think it's just me, but I got I got five kids and a granddaughter. You know. You wrote this to me in a letter and shared it with me yesterday. In and around this perplexing and difficult time, I dazedly chose or hired the companionship of unsavory and insipid types. I'm imagining prostitutes. Regardless of their saltless reputations, I always led with condoms and honesty when it came to my condition. Sadly, my truth soon became their treason as a deluge of blackmail and extortion took center stage in this circuit, circus of deceit. Were these people that you had had sexual contact with and were claiming that you had transmitted the virus to them, or were these people who simply found out about your status and were threatening to tell the world? Um, more the latter. Um, they, 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 for some reason, I, 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 I trusted them. They, they, were, they were deep in my uh, inner circle, and I, um, I, I thought that they, they could be helpful. And instead, they, um, as, I, as I wrote, my, 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 my trust turned to, to their, their treason. You so know? are we talking about lawsuits filed against you here, Charlie? Are we talking about shakedowns? Um, we're talking about shakedowns. Talking about shakedowns, yeah. Is it true that on at least one occasion you had a prostitute come over to your house who after a sexual encounter went into your bathroom and with a cell phone 
took an image of your antiretroviral medication. That's correct, yeah. And then threatened to sell that image to the tabloids. Yes, this is after, um, after I told her that, uh, thank you for your time, uh, we're not going to see each other anymore. Um, it was after she spent the day at, uh, uh, you know, a health food store buying me, uh, uh, you know, herbal uh, <laughs> medication. Are you still paying? To, to, to help me. Are you still paying some of these people? Um, not after today, I'm not. So you think that by speaking this truth, you will get out from under that? That's 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 my goal, and my, my it's not. I mean, that, that that's not my only goal. We'll talk more about that later. But um, no, I think I I I I think I um I release myself from this prison today. And, and it's interesting because these people kept coming over to your house. They kept gaining information that they then used, in your words, to extort you, and yet you continued the behavior. You kept bringing these unsavory types which is my part. to your house. Which is my part. Absolutely. And why? Yeah. Why would you make the same mistake over and over because again? Because I was so depressed um, by the condition that I was in that I wasn't, uh, I was doing a lot of drugs. I was, I was drinking way too much, I, and I was making really bad decisions. That, 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 that part I own, 100%. Have, have you knowingly, or even perhaps unknowingly, transmitted the HIV virus to someone else since your diagnosis? Impossible. Impossible. We're going to talk to your doctor with you in a second about that. that. Good. Have you had unprotected sex on any occasion since your diagnosis? Yes, but but the two people that that, that I did that with um, were under the care of my doctor, and and they were completely warned ahead of time. Have you, since the time of your diagnosis, told every one of your sexual partners before you had a sexual encounter that you were HIV positive? Yes, I have. No exception. No exception. Have, have you been involved, you know, the, if you look at the CDC website and they talk about the transmission of, the H, of HIV, they talk about risky behaviors. Would it be fair to say that you have been involved in all of those risky behaviors? Negative. No, you're talking about needles and that whole, that whole mess? No, definitely not. Do you know no. how you contracted the virus? Um, sitting here today, um, not entirely, no. No. I want to read you something else from the letter you handed me. You said, this is after the time of your diagnosis. The personal disbelief, karmic confusion, shame, and anger led to a temporary yet abysmal descent into profound substance abuse and fathomless drinking. Was this that whole tiger blood winning period in your life? Was that a result, that meltdown we saw, a reaction to your diagnosis? I, I, I... I wish I could blame it on that. Um, that was more of a uh, of a roid rage, um, but this was this was on the on on the heels of that. Let me say, yeah. And when you say shame in that, the stigma sure. that is attached to this diagnosis is one of the worst parts about it. People don't take action; they don't get help because of that stigma. Sure. Do you still feel that stigma? Not anymore. I don't. No. I don't. No, I, 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 I have a responsibility now to, uh, to, 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 to better myself and, 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 and to help a lot of other people. And, and, and hopefully with, with what we're doing today, um, others may come forward and say, thanks, Charlie, thanks for, thanks for kicking the door open, you know. You're going to stick around with us. We're going to sit down with your doctor who has been treating you over these last several years, and we'll have much more of our conversation, Charlie. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you. Hello, Today fans. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking that button down there, and click on any of the videos.
we're back from that clip. And Michael, what do you take away from this interview? It's just some stuff for that interview. I, I'm just, it doesn't sit right with me. Well, it just seemed like a lot of the questions, a lot of questions were straightforward. Like, I mean, a lot of the questions were straightforward. I mean, but it seemed like he tried to talk around a lot of those issues. And this is my thing is if you're going to come on on a show of that magnitude, or you're going to come on national TV and you're talking about you're going to do a tell-all interview, then let's be candid. Let's stop with the politics. Let's stop with the big words and, and, and talking around things like, if you're going to come on and come out about the status, then you need to be more candid than what I think he was in that interview. But that's my opinion. I, the biggest thing that I think is I think he's lying about something. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. It's one of those things you just get a gut feeling about something. Mm-hmm. And I me, what I'm picking up on is some type of, I think it's, And he made the remark himself on there, and hey, I'll give him this much credit for saying it. Is well, you know, that's the goal. Is I hope it stops the extortion or the blackmailing or whatever. Exactly. So you're purely only doing this to basically save yourself money. <laughs> yeah. And to me, I feel that if it wasn't. You you weren't really trying to come out and, and trying to inspire someone because cause I didn't play the whole – because the whole entire interview was like 20 minutes because he goes yeah. into his um, – I don't know if you actually watched the interview, but um, he 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 is also being interviewed with his doctor on the second part of the, the interview, and then they talk about that at the end, and he's talking about, well, I'm just hoping that I'm just doing this to – being inspiration, but you're not like it's purely for monetary reasons. And to me, um, we we seen the kind of person Charlie Sheen is. Um, he he not he's not a good person, and, and that's just my opinion. And like I said, I don't wish this on anybody. So I'm I'm not don't get that confused by me saying that because I don't wish that fate on anybody. But Charlie Sheen is being um, a womanizer. Um, he's made racist remarks. He's lived a, um, like, I mean, he's lived a hard life. Like he's partied, he's done the drugs, he's done all that. Like the the heavy drinking, you know. I mean, you can't. I mean, that's just welcome to the real world. I mean, that's the, this is the fate that happens that can happen. And I'm saying it always is, but it can happen to, um. You know, people, when they live that type of lifestyle, you know, and to me, it just seems like I don't think, honestly, for these many people to come out against you, like, I don't think that he was probably upfront and honest with everybody, totally. And I think that a lot of times, because um, he he was talking to, uh, he was being interviewed, he was talking with his doctor, and he was just talking about how he's undetectable and he's healthy. But I think a lot of times people take that that undetectable status and they feel that they don't have to tell people um, that they're HIV positive. You, you know, know, I have a- I think that's dangerous. I think that's dangerous sometimes when when people 
that whole undetectable thing is a joke to me. I mean, your viral load may be low, but you still have the possibility of being someone else. And I think that people have given these people this false sense of reality and thinking that they can go out here and have unprotected sex and do any and everything because they are quote-unquote undetectable. And we're going to get into that in a minute. I got a video that kind of explains what that is because a lot of people don't know what undetectable is because we're living in an age now of HIV uh, uh, treatment to where, you know, it's totally manageable and you can live a normal, long, healthy life. And a lot of people don't know um, new school drugs and, like, you know, um, knowledge about HIV. And uh, in this undetectable, a lot of people don't know what that is. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. But did you have something to say? Yeah, I guess the thing that I was thinking here was, you know, if he's so daggone healthy, I wish I could have thought or remembered to watch the video to this because I'm sitting here thinking, if he's so daggone healthy, and why does he just sound not quite right? Yeah, and then they said he's taking, and then they say he's taking a cocktail of medicines like he's taking four pills a night to maintain his undetectable status. And my thing is, is like, I've known people like that are HIV positive and they're not taking that many medications a day. Something's just not adding up. Like, um, like me and you were discussing it. I said, I don't know if it's linked up with something else. I don't know some other condition. I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel obviously admitted to yeah, extreme depression, unless there are psychiatric medications going along with his HIV medications. Yeah. Other than that would be the only other guess that I could have. Yeah. I just think, I just, I'm with you, Michael. Something's not adding up to this interview. I don't think he was candid. I think he was talking around a lot of the questions. I think he was stumbling on the answers. And to me, if you're going to say that you're coming out to the world and you're admitting that, okay, I got a lot of respect for you for letting the world know up there. I don't think – I think you're trying to answer the questions in a manner uh, like you like politically – trying to be politically correct and answering the questions in a manner where it won't come and bite you in the ass later. Like if you yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess some clarification. I guess that's where I'm thinking that I'm feeling like there's some element of dishonesty or disingenuous nature here some just it doesn't there's something off about this <laughs> mm-hmm. but see this is this 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 is also people can take away from this too like uh, hiv is something that just does not affect the lgbt community it's just not a, a gay disease it's, it's not you know, um, this is a harsh reality that affects us all. Um, there's a lot of women that have been put at risk because of this. So you think you have a heterosexual sex, you don't have to worry about that. You don't know what these people are doing behind your back. You don't know what kind of lifestyle they've lived. You don't know anything about what, what they're involved in. And, you know, a lot of these people think, oh, my man, since, since he's so-called straight, 
I don't have to worry about that, and that could be the furthest thing from the truth. Yep. You know, and, and that's a lot of people in you know, Hollywood. The disease you know. does not discriminate. It's an equal opportunity uh, thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it will behoove you, and we're going to do some more educational shows about different things like this, especially HIV, because um, I guess they have out this new medication now. Um, Truvada, also known as PrEP, that people are taking, and you know, um, it's a preventative medication. But uh, you know, but even though you have that preventative medication, that still does not give you a license to be reckless, because you may not have to worry about HIV, but there are other. Life There's a lot of other alphabet uh, soup out there that really mess you up. <laughs> huh? I said there's a whole lot of the other alphabet soup of things that can really mess you up. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's one alphabet soup I don't want to sip on. Yeah. I don't, I don't want no part of that. Really just, it's really just crazy. And, you know, and this is what the thing that bothers me, Michael, like, you know, if this would have been like a normal person off the street or someone that was a celebrity status, they would be sitting in prison right now. They would be having charges drawn up against them right now, investigation being done on him, on them. And you, he's sitting up here worrying about a civil lawsuit. You know, if you were the average Joe Smo on the street. Yo, you will be facing several years in prison because that. Um, I was watching a, a, a channel on YouTube, and I, I got to give a shout out to my girl, Lovely T. I love her videos. I get a lot of my inspiration in. I actually a lot of ideas for topics on my show off her channel, and she made a good point. You know, um, about that. You know, Charlie Sheen's worrying about these. You know, just the. Uh, Civil side of it, but you better be, you know, worried about the criminal side. But you know what? If he was the average person, he would have already been taken out the street. Just like they said, there was this um, one guy that was on going around this college campus sleeping with this young gay guy with people, and he knew that he was positive. He was sleeping around. Even there was a situation in Indianapolis some years back about this guy. Um, I think he's from Greenwood. But this man is with, like, oh, my God. I don't know if it was, like, between 20 or 50 people, and he knew that he was positive, and he did not um, divulge his status. And he plus, he slept around with them unprotected. And they said that that man slept with so many people, like, and they didn't even know. There was, other, there was people out there that they didn't even, they couldn't even contact or, or that were unknown that had slept with this man. Mm. And that man's sitting in prison right now. So Charlie Sheen, you know, while he wants to come out on TV and, and call himself being, this interview could come back and bite him in the you-know-what later on. So I I don't know how I feel about that. That's just, that's just scary to me. And then they had videos of some of the women he was with. And you could tell that they were being sincere. They were They were just pissed off about 
um, this man um, not telling them about his status. But, man, I'm telling you, sometimes you got to take responsibility and ask yourself. I mean, that's one thing. If you're going to get into a serious relationship with somebody, you need to be asking those questions or you should be willing to go get tested together because you don't know what anybody – I don't know. You know, and it's it's just sad too because this man has kids that he, you know, yeah, it's it's it. The whole situation is just crazy, and I, I, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what else comes out of this because it's really scary. There could be potential people out here that he slept with, and you know, and they don't know. So, I don't know. But um, I wanted to go to a quick clip, you know, because I know we were talking about undetectable status, which that's what he claims to be, and that's what his doctor verified on the show. Um, A lot of people don't know what undetectable is. Um, I wanted to just go through and play this clip real quick that that kind of uh, breaks that down, and um, we will be back and we'll wrap up this discussion. When you've been diagnosed with HIV, you can't help but think, what's next? Where do I go from here? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great goal to get to. It's called Undetectable. You may have heard about it from your healthcare provider. What is it, and what's so great about it? At Undetectable, while you still have HIV, there is so little virus in your blood, it can't be measured by a test. That sounds pretty good, right? not having a lot of virus in your blood? So how do you get to undetectable? Well, we need to start here by talking about something HIV is doing inside your body right now. It's building up your viral load. You may not even know you have a viral load, but you do because of how HIV works. Inside your body are CD4 cells, the defender cells that fight germs and keep you from getting sick. But when HIV enters your body, it invades your CD4 cells. HIV turns your cells into virus-making factories. These factories make more HIV, which takes over more cells and creates even more factories. See where this is going? You have fewer CD4 cells to fight for you. That means your CD4 count is going down, and so the amount of virus in your blood, your viral load, keeps going up. And I mean up. Your viral load can get as high as 100,000 virus particles in one teaspoon of blood, or even higher. Yikes. All of that virus is doing damage to your body, even if you're feeling okay now. And this can lead to serious infections, to cancer, and even to AIDS. But you don't need to stay here. You can get your viral load going in the other direction. It's possible to get your viral load so low that it's, that's right, undetectable. How do you do it? by starting HIV treatment. Talk to your healthcare provider about it. There is no cure for HIV, but there are many treatments available now to help stop the virus in your body and bring virus factories to a halt. Worth getting to undetectable? Absolutely. But do you see any barriers in your way to starting treatment? Maybe some ideas about taking pills or about side effects? If you have any concerns at all, share them with your healthcare provider. A lot has changed about HIV treatment and you want to get the latest information because starting treatment is the first step. What's really important is staying on treatment. You need to keep going because sticking with treatment is what keeps virus factories from starting up again. And how will you find out how it's going? 
Remember what I said about a test? Well, a routine blood test will show if you've made it. Your viral load is undetectable. HIV is still in your system, but your body is back in fighting shape. Being here means you're taking care of your health, and staying on treatment helps you stay undetectable, which helps make it possible to live a long and healthy life. Here's another great thing about undetectable. You know that safer sex helps lower the chance of passing HIV on to others. Well, staying on treatment can too, so you can help protect the people you love and help stop the virus in the community. So take the first step and talk to your healthcare provider because starting treatment can help stop the virus and get you on the path to undetectable. We're back. I uh, just want to give you guys that educational uh, spiel on HIV. Um, a lot has changed with the disease, you know, especially, you know, in the 21st century. Like, even in the past five years, there's just been a lot of advancements in that uh, in that field. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just it's just important for people to know their status and just get tested. You know, because with knowledge is power, and from that point you can make the right decisions on what to do next. Because if you if you don't, you know, because a lot of people have this mindset. Well, I just don't want to know, and that's just the worst thing you can do. You know, so it's just, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, did you have anything else that you wanted to say in wrapping up with that? No, other than just really to say that there's, you know, for anybody that doesn't know and they want to find out, there are many ways and many resources in the Indianapolis area that have free or very low-cost testing that's available out there. So there's not an excuse that they couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to go back to – and we were talking about earlier getting back um, during the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, I know one one organization I really want to chime in on is Moselle Sanders. And um, those who um, on Thanksgiving that are looking for a free meal, uh, families that are in need of a free Thanksgiving meal, um, there is – an organization here in Indianapolis called the Moselle Sanders Fund, uh, founded by the late pastor Moselle Sanders, who felt that um, if anything, we should at least try our best, even on just one day of the year, at least give people hope. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's a lot of people that are starving out here. You'd be surprised. We take for granted that people have family. Everybody has family. All Everybody knows, knows somebody's house they can go to for Thanksgiving. And <clears throat> And that's the farthest thing from the truth. So uh, this foundation was has been serving the Indianapolis area for countless years. And there's many um, uh, sites around the city that, uh, that will be giving um, out Thanksgiving dinners. You can also call, and they will deliver the um, um, dinners as well. Um, and they've been known to distribute over 35,000 meals to those that are in need. And I went to the website, 
and the, the foundation is based out of the the uh, what was that? Oh, I'm having uh uh, uh oh, I'm having a moment here. I'm forgetting their website now. And if you would like to um, help out in serving or distributing the bills, you can go to the MoseldaleSanders.org page and you can you can uh, email them or you can call them at 317-666-7985 or um, email them at info at MoseldaleSanders.org um, It's located on 709 North Belmont Avenue and I would just urge anybody I mean they even have a lot of things that they're doing even besides the Moselle Sanders vendor they offer scholarships to um, individuals that are seeking higher education. Uh, they have a link if you if you would like to donate on the website. And um, you, I guess you could, if you have a PayPal account, you can. Um, it's a five five zero one C three. So all donations of a hundred dollars and more are tax deductible. So that's something to keep in mind. If you would like to volunteer, let's see, um, let me go to their site. Um, they're doing Christmas baskets as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a, a, a wonderful thing. That's just, just one of many organizations that are giving back. Even if you can't, like, do something, there's just a lot of people, um, homeless people. You can just go out and minister to them hand out, you know, just stuff that you can do all year long. You know, I, mean, I always want to exercise caution, you know. Um, I think it's better to work with local organizations, but if you're that type of person, you like to get out there and get your hands dirty, you like to get out there and get done with the people and just um, really help them, you know, the people out that are out on the street, you know, that's how real ministry, you have to get out, you can't sometimes go out there and reach those people. You know, so I urge anybody, like, you know, um, with the holidays coming up, you know, a lot of these people need blankets. They need uh, food. They need clothing. So that's another way you can you can look up a lot of these organizations in the city. But me and Mike, we were talking about something serious in relating to this earlier about how you have to be careful in who you donate to because you don't know some of their – Beliefs because it's good that some of these organizations help out, but when they're discriminating on people, then we have to be careful or at least have the knowledge of what we're donating to. And I didn't know if you wanted to share about some information you had about a particular. Um, yes, charity. one of them, and it's probably one of the most popular that you could come across, especially I know in Indianapolis and pretty much about anywhere in Indiana, is the Salvation Army, which I'm sure a lot of people are probably going, what? Well, the Salvation Army is backed by a church organization. And therefore, some of their ideologies are not necessarily all-inclusive. 
the last, since at least 2011, they have been under, under fire for either their standpoint towards homosexuals or anyone in a same-sex uh, couple. And there's been several instances where they have refused services based upon that. I had read earlier today an article that had stated there's a an internal document that says we don't condone this, marriage is between one man, one woman, and this is a church organization, that is our beliefs. But then they have a public policy that is a non-discrimination policy, which covers being in accordance with any laws and not discriminating against anyone based upon their sexuality. However, in various locations all across the country, as of November of 2014, there was still a record in Tennessee of a Salvation Army down there refusing a, uh, to allow a same-sex couple to stay in a homeless shelter that was open to anyone else, married, single, whatever. They refused to allow them to stay in a homeless shelter. So, based upon their sexual orientation. So, organizations, and this isn't the first time I've heard about this with the Salvation Army. Um, Also, the Salvation Army, people that hold an office in that organization are also ordained ministers. And they forbid them to take part in a same-sex wedding as an ordained minister. So there's many things there within that organization that, you know, I would just say please do your homework and use this as an example of do your homework before you donate to an organization. Mm-hmm. Find out what they're really doing with their funds and what their practices are. Yep, and then I, and I feel that um, so many times we get blindly. You know, and I, and I know people have good intentions, and they and they want to make a difference. But sometimes, you, know, you have to question: Are your dollars going towards what you think they're going towards? This, like you said, this is a perfect example of why you need to dig and do your research on um these organizations because you don't know publicly they may give an image, and then privately they have the like you said, like they have these, what's uh, uh, the word I'm looking for? They have these policies that are discriminatory. And, you know, if you're giving, you know, I think most people, you know, if they're giving to a charity, they don't see it as that. And, and you know, I, um, I was looking um, at some articles while you were reading that, and, um, Yes, they've had a history of being discriminatory, and I'm not trying to pick on Salvation Army because they're not the only ones that's that's like that. Right. Um, but to me, how can you claim to be a religious organization or be affiliated with, you know, the Christian religion or or anything of that nature, and you're discriminating, you know, of that? I say, how how are you? In a Christ-like type of thing, when you're you're trying to decide, or you're trying to filter the people that you want to help out, 
when if you were really following the doctrines of Christ, you know, he didn't pick and choose who he wanted to to bless or who he, 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 he wanted to minister to or help out. You know, it was always the people that were the outcasts of society. The people that those are people that he gravitated more towards. He didn't have a um favoritism type of mindset. So it's it's just like you said, it's just good to kind of like um research and uh, find out who you're donating causes to because like like that story we did last week about that lady that lost her son in Chicago, she took took those funds that people donated towards her, donated towards her son's funeral, and she used it for what she wanted to use it for. So mm-hmm. I, you know, we have to just be careful and and just know what we're donating, our, you know, our dollars towards. So that's 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 my biggest thing. Um, Absolutely. I had a few more stories I wanted to do. Um, let's see. Yeah, I want to get on this story about. Um, there were over a dozen people injured, which it actually the count is up to 16 now, of people that were injured in a, in a shooting in New Orleans. And it just really speaks to volumes to uh, the type of culture we're living in today. Like, we're not safe anywhere. Like, you know, you're out with your family, people are out with their children, and they can't even go out and have a good time without worrying about violence. You know, I think we became a violent society. You know, I just, and it's like nobody's safe anymore. Like, you don't even have to go looking for trouble. Trouble will find you. And it's just really sad that uh, these people, which majority of the people that were wounded were young people. They were children. So we're going to go to this clip and we're going to come back and I have one more story, and then we're going to get off here for tonight. Sixteen people are being treated at area hospitals after gunfire erupts at a local park. Police say multiple suspects exchanged gunfire at the Bunny Friend Park in the 1900 block of Gallier Street at around 6 o'clock tonight. Ten of those victims are reportedly at University Medical Center, and that's where Meg Ferris joins us live. Meg, what have you learned so far? That's right, Katie. As you said, it all happened around 6, 6.30 on Gallia Street. That's in the upper ninth ward. It happened at Bunny Friend Park. Now, we do know that 10 were taken by ambulance. Six others probably arrived at area hospitals in personal cars at Tulane, Turo, UMC, and St. Bernard Hospitals. There were no children involved. We told teens were involved. At this point, it looks like none of the wounds are life-threatening. There were at least two or maybe even more gunmen. We're told that uh, they shot into a crowd, gathered for the filming of a music video. That's what one witness told police. Now, a nine-time second line parade was nearby, and it just wrapped up, so police got to the scene fast because they heard the gunshots. Witnesses told me that they were running from the scene. People were dropping cell phones, keys, and earrings as they were dashing away from the shooting. One witness said when I asked him how many gunshots, he said indefinite. One witness said that 
she pulled fleeing strangers into her car just to take cover, and she saw a man with a gun with an extended clip run by while she still heard shots being fired down the street. Now, a nurse told me she was off duty and got a call to come into the hospital because more medical personnel were needed to treat all the victims, and the mayor and chief of police were on the scene. Well, apparently, um, what we were told by one of the persons who who was shot was that there was um, scheduled to be a video filming um, or video shoot, however you want to call it, here at the playground. The information was probably circulated through social media. There were hundreds of people, upwards of 500 people, probably in this playground when this erupted. Um, It was an unpermitted, unplanned thing, so we did not know about it until we uh, learned that these people were in the playground and our officers were then dispatched to come and remove them from the playground. The second line was far away from here, uh, and, and it was a, it was an event that was, that was peaceful, and it went just like second lines go. Um, but the police were a, a block away when this incident, and they got here really, really fast. The EMS got here fast. They did a great job, uh, and they took care of the scene as I would, I would expect them to. But at the end of the day, it's really hard to police against a bunch of guys who decide to pull out guns and settle their disputes with 300 people in between them. That's just not something that you can tolerate in the city. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's going to require the people who were in this park to basically say they had enough and they're not going to put themselves in harm's way and let, give us information so that the police can do their job. Now, the police do not know if this was gang-related. It's being described as a gun battle, but they don't know why, what the uh, motivation was at this point. All right. Um, There's just a few things that bother me about this whole situation. Like, um, first of all, you know, to me, you know, for these people – you know, and thank God I was no no little kids that were that were harmed, but you know, these teenagers were still affected by that. And the situation could have turned deadly, even though there weren't thank God there weren't people that were actually killed, just wounded. But my thing is that you know, people just they just don't ask the questions that they need to ask anymore. Why would you go to a video shoot and that you know that you just seen on social media. You're not you're not even asking the questions like you know, is this is there going to be security there? Is there going to be is is this even they even get bit by the city? I heard like a video, city didn't even know anything about this going on. You know, and to think there was that that many young people there, and you know. But, I mean, even besides that, you know, these people are opening up fire in a public area like that. They didn't care who could have been killed. They, 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 they're just more concerned about getting retaliation or getting revenge on someone else. They didn't care if innocent children got hit. But, see, to me, you have to kind of, I won't say place blame on that community, but you have to hold them accountable because until they want to, you know, stand up and say enough is enough in their community and they put these people on blast and they report these people to the police, you know, what can they say? You know, you're allowing this to happen in your community until you take a stand, it's going to keep happening. You're going to keep hearing about stories like this because these people have become complacent and they live by the, the no snitching code 
which has gotten them anywhere. Obviously, you, you, so pretty much you're protecting a bunch of thugs that can terrorize your neighborhood, shoot up your children, and have no respect or, you know, consideration for your life, for your well-being. But, see, that's the kind of code that these people want to live by. And I just think that's really sad. So I didn't know what you had to say about that, but I just really think that we we really have to take better I just, take back our communities. You know what happens with the state of one's society to get them to a complacency or fear to speak up, and I realize right. that. So the fear, you know, most of them are probably afraid to speak up, afraid that, you know, they'll kill them or they'll be next. Right. Until, you know, I'm sure these police departments have anonymous tip lines. I mean, most most police departments do across the country. I'm sure one the size of the New Orleans PD probably has one. You know, yeah. make some tips, do something. I mean, but, you know, when people get to a state of complacency that that's the way their neighborhood is, What's had? What's really? What kind of state did that have to be in to begin with to get them there? That's kind of sad. Right. I just man, I'm just telling you, man. It's just so much going on. Like you, like I said, you look at that situation, then you look at the situation in the young boy in Chicago that got killed. You look at the situation here in Indianapolis where, you know, you had these young two young, you know, thugs that came in and killed an innocent mother. You know, it's just like there is no, I mean, there's no value for life. None. These people are, they just, they just, it's just a selfish mindset. These people are just wicked. They're evil. And they they don't care about anybody but themselves. Like, you know, it's all about what they want to get and who they want to get. And, and it, and, and damn if there's any innocent bystanders or anybody that is going to be impacted by it. So you just have to go out in the world these days realizing that. And you have to just be aware of your surroundings. You have to just be aware of what you're getting into. Um, and just, you know, just, just exercise caution. You know, so that that's the big thing I want to um discuss that. Um, and the last thing I want to at least start on, and we'll probably get on this next week, um, I want to talk about Black Lives Matter, but I think I'm going to probably hold off on that. But I just wanted to, you know, talk about the entire Donald Trump situation. Like, um, I guess he's been under fire for some things that he said since the bombings in Paris, he wanted he would re reinstitute waterboarding if he was if he became president, and he feels that the Syrians do not need to come in this country, and he would have if he was president he would have a database of all Middle Eastern people. So uh, I'm going to go to a clip where. He pretty much said in an interview that he is in favor of uh, torture, torturing people. 
and this didn't sit too well with a lot of people. So when we're come when we come back, we're gonna talk about this, and then we're gonna probably wrap wrap up the show. So we'll be back um, in a few minutes. Are you unequivocally now ruling out a database on all Muslims? No, not at all. I want a database for the uh, refugees that if they come into the country, we have no idea who these people are. When the Syrian refugees are going to start pouring into this country, we don't know if they're ISIS. We don't know if it's a Trojan horse. And I definitely want a database and other checks and balances. We want to go with watch lists. We want to go with databases. And we have no choice. We have no idea who's being sent in here. This could be the great choice. It's probably not. But it could be the great Trojan horse of all time where they come in. When I look at those migration, when I look at the migration and the lines, and I see all strong, very powerful looking men, they're men, and I see very few women, I see very few children, there's something strange going on. And if you look at what's happening in Europe, a lot of bad things are happening in Europe. Just ask the folks that live in Germany, George, a lot of bad things are happening. So we want to be smart. We want to, hey George, we want to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant and we have to call is radical, you know, we have to just say it's radical Islamic terrorism, and that's what it is. And we have a president that won't even issue the term. But when the Syrians come in, or wherever they are, because we're not even sure that they're coming in from Syria, if they're going to come in, we have to be very, very vigilant. And database would be fine for them, and watch list is fine. We have to watch and see what we're doing. They should not come in, by the way. They should not be allowed yeah, in. Just for, just for the record, though, the, the, the statistics do show that the majority of the refugees coming in are women and children. You've also told Yahoo News that we have to be doing things that were unthinkable a year ago. I want to get into what you had in mind. For example, do you think we should bring back enhanced interrogation like waterboarding? Well, we have to be strong. You know, they don't use waterboarding over there. They use chopping off people's heads. They use drowning people you've seen with the cages where they put people in cages and they drown them in the ocean and then they lift out the cage and we're talking about waterboarding. So you we bring back waterboarding? Tough. We have to I would I would bring it back yes I would bring it back I think waterboarding is peanuts compared to what they do to us what they're doing to us what they did to James Foley when they chopped off his head that's a whole different level and I would absolutely bring back uh, interrogation and strong interrogation. You've also said we have to consider closing mosques Jeb Bush called that a sign of weakness. Well, Jeb Bush is a weak person, and that's been defined very strongly. I mean, Jeb is a weak person who is a, you know, I call him a low-energy person. That's what he is. I mean, you call him anything you want. But Jeb is a person that will not solve a problem like this. Uh, you have very, very tough people that you're dealing with. They only understand strength. They don't understand weakness. Somebody like Jeb and others that are running against me. And by the way, Hillary is another one. I mean, Hillary is a, is a person who doesn't have the strength or the stamina, in my opinion, to be president. She doesn't have strength or stamina. She's not a strong enough person to but be president. what would be your criteria for with, closing a We're mob. dealing with very, George, we're dealing with very, very strong people. And you need strength and you need stamina. I, 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 I get that. But I want to get the details, that. though. What would be your criteria for closing a mosque? And how does that square with the First Amendment? You said your top priority would be to preserve and protect our religious liberty. Is that only for Christians? What are your criteria for closing a mosque? Well, I don't want to close mosques. I want to surveil mosques. I want mosques surveilled. We were doing it in New York City for a while until the worst mayor that New York City has ever had got elected to Blasio, which was a fluke. 
And, well, I would do certainly there are certain hotspots, and everybody knows their hotspots. And let me tell you, the people that aren't involved in those mosques, they know who the bad ones are, and they know who the good ones are, but they don't talk. We have to surveil the mosques, and we were doing it. We were doing it recently until de Blasio closed them up in New York City. We were doing it recently. We have to surveil the mosques, and big material and good material, from what I understood from a very good source, was coming out of those mosques. We were learning a lot, and they were stopping problems and potential problems by learning what was happening. Hey, look, I don't want to close up mosques, but things have to happen where you got to you have got to use strong measures, or you're going to see buildings coming down all over you've New also, York City and elsewhere. Oh, man, I'll tell you. And that is what we have to choose from as far as candidates. You know, um, that's very disturbing to me. Um, you know, I mean, for someone to be that outright, I mean, you're about, like like he said, like the reporter said, like you're supposed to be about religious liberties, but yet you're looking to, I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, I got a lot of different mixed emotions on that. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, I don't see how the government can close down a mosque, you know, now I guess if they go in there and pull five people of the most wanted terrorists off the list, you're probably going to halt services for a few hours. But you're, I don't see how they can actually close a religious mosque. I don't see how they can do that. I'm pretty sure there'd be a whole lot of, yeah, no, I don't see that happening. I think a lot of what he is saying is, a lot of sensationalism, but then again, I think that's a lot of Donald Trump. Um, I will say that there are a few points that I might agree with, yeah, but those are very few and far between. And you know, I don't know. Yes, I believe that if we're bringing people into this country, we should do a background check. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I think every person that applies for citizenship gets a background check done on that. Yeah, and so I, I nothing we've been we've been relaxed on that. And, right, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I think we should go hard on these terrorists because absolutely. They, but 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 my thing is, but on the other hand, go hard on the terrorists, but don't go hard on people innocent people that don't have anything to do with that. Like go after right. the extremists. You you go after right. the Okay, well, well I'm going to bring in what I've heard. I've heard a number and upwards of possibly 30,000 refugees. Okay, well, I agree. We should do a background check on each person. Sure. Yeah. Anybody that would be applying for citizenship would get a background check as well. You know, that's already in place today. That happens automatically. So, all I right. Mean, you you got to be smart about things, but my thing right. is, like, like I, I just feel that he's putting out. I don't know. Like this is just this. It disturbs me when he says that we should not bring any refugees into this country. He said none. We don't need them here. None. This country, unless you're Native American, you have immigration roots in this country. Unless you're a Native American descent, right? So therefore, that means someone in your family at some point came here, and. 
if that's the case, you know, I think that we shouldn't lose track of, look at all the stories you can hear about Ellis Island in New York. I mean, you know, this country is based upon the melting pot and upon immigration. So, you know, I think we should have open doors, but of course be smart, check the people that's coming in. But I think we would be wrong to just totally slam our doors shut to anybody. They're they're saying, oh, no, they're Syrian refugees. Slam the door shut. Why? That's not what this country was about. Now, personally, I do have an interesting perspective on the waterboarding issue. Mm -hmm. And maybe this will be controversial. I don't know. But I think, obviously, we quit waterboarding for a reason. It's called abuse. However, if you are proven to be a terrorist and you are proven to be one of those that's cutting the heads off of people, I have no problem waterboarding that person to get information out of them. I agree with you on that. I mean, if you are good enough to stand up there and cut people's heads off, guess what? Take a deep breath and take you a drink. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's, and that's, that's how I feel too. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you you think you look at some of these other countries, what they do. I don't care what Russia says. The KGB is alive and well. You know, mm-hmm. they just have a different name. You know, right. the CIA that we had back in the '60s got stuff done, <laughs> but yeah. not much anymore. But you know, if someone's a proven terrorist. I don't really care if they waterboard and to exactly. save the lives of three thousand people. And I and I, now, I think, think that do you think do you think that that we've became kind of soft when it becomes to cracking down on individuals like that? I just I think that I don't know. Some I just, things I think we have, but I think that our harder and tougher measures need to be applied in a more prudent standpoint. Yeah. With more prudence, I guess, would be. You know, I'm all for going hardcore on people that's cutting people's heads off and blowing them to pieces. I'm all for that. You know, (laughs) go as hardcore as you want. Save people's lives. Get the info. But on the same token, just because you think someone is doesn't give you the right to start torturing them. And that, and, and that's and that's that's what I'm saying. You know, um, I, I feel that he's the type of person that he wouldn't he wouldn't exercise any type of discretion with that practice. I think he will he would just loosely use that practice on any and everybody that's even suspected, like you said. Or, you know, what I'm saying I, I just I just think that it should be used in extreme cases, and when you're dealing with these these people that are just flat out monsters, right? Because I would hate, I would state. really hate to see some type of I don't know modern day version of McCarthyism, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, being like, huh, you know, or I guess back in the day they used to say communist, you know, used to label everybody yeah. a communist, and, you know. Put some really good people in this country through some pretty rough stuff. You know, I would hate to see that type of situation come back to us and have a modern twist. I'd really hate to see that for this country. But on the same token, if you know they're cutting people's heads off, hey, have at it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'll just tell you, man. But you know the thing about I will say about Donald Trump is, and it's and it's it's scary, but a lot of the stuff he's saying, a lot, and I hate to say this, a lot of people feel there's a lot of people in this country that feel like he does on issues, but they're scared to say it. Yeah, and I think that's probably why the that's why he's so popular in the polls right now. It's not because he's just a, you know, a, a TV, you know, icon right now, iconic in television. But my thing, or he, he's known to be, you know, one of the world's richest men. I just, I really feel that his views are a, a lot of. But, Oh, majority of these bigots in this country, which is a whole lot of them, is you know, like they, they he he speaks the set their sentiments and they and he and they don't, you know, I don't know. I, I just I just feel that they identify with him because he's not afraid to just call it like it is. Like he he doesn't even how to be politically correct about it. He just comes right out with his racist racism. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. So, but I mean, that's why you really have to start. This is the time to start looking at the candidates. I mean, yeah, just reading up on them. Look, I mean, follow these interviews. Get, I mean, you, you know, you have access. Like people have access to this information. You know, you, you have to start researching and 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 watching what they say, watching what they what they do, watching how they react to situations, because regardless to what how you feel about it, Trump is one of those people you would not want him, you know, dealing with situations. He's, he's a, like an overly emotional person, and he would do something that will set this world literally on fire. <laughs> you got to consider he, he, whoever, whoever it is that we elect, we're giving them access direct access to a really big red button. Yeah. And I just, man, I'm telling you, if he if he's that type of candidate, if he gets into office, we're all in trouble. I mean, but that's my opinion. On so I many levels. I have a very hard time taking someone seriously that has been on reality TV shows. Reality TV, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I just have a hard time with that. <laughs> I have a problem taking somebody seriously that you yeah, not only just reality T V and but you but you pretty much condone the culture that we live in now where uh people are cutthroat and treacherous and and you know, you're promoting stereotypes you know, and and promoting just foolishness, just flat out foolishness. And you think that I'm going to take you serious as a president? I just I can't. I just I can't, and I won't. I will never. I will. Uh. Uh-uh. I will never take him serious. Is, I could. He is on track to come down to the final two. And that's scary. And I don't think he's going back down this time. I don't think he will either. Oh God. I, I can't imagine a country with him being president. You want to talk about setting back the clock 20, 30 years. I think, you know, 
I think he's a good businessman. Obviously, I mean, he wouldn't have gotten to where he was, where he's currently at now if he wasn't. I don't think that he is equipped to 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 handle this country. Like, I mean, it you know, socially, and even I mean, I don't know. I just I just that the the type of climate that we're living in, I don't think he could he could handle just like on social issues and just dealing with you know, it's a lot of he. At least with Obama, he knows how to be diplomatic, and he knows how to approach situations, you know, um, you know. and we definitely live in a racially charged society. I don't think Trump would help that, that situation out. Like, everybody's on the edge right now, and I don't think him being president would – and I don't think he would be a president for the people. He would be a president for his people and for the top 1% and for his – and, and my thing is, like, a lot of these biggest and these braces think that, oh, yeah, he's, he's all for us, man. He's not going to be for you because half of you people can't – you so broke, you can't even pay attention, but you think he's going to be for you? Yeah, I have l- laughed at a lot of that uh, political comparisons a lot over the years. Yeah. So I I just I just don't know. I really feel that um, he's, he said a lot of controversial things. And, you know, uh, even about just Latinos and just, I mean, I just know. I mean, and, you know, you have so much negativity to say about the black community, but it's it's these black TV stars and, and black uh, reality coming on your show making you money and making you relevant. You know what I'm saying, but now, uh, uh-uh. uh, I, I just can't take him serious. I just, I can't take him serious. I don't think he would be a good candidate for the people. And that's that's just my opinion. But there's there's just a lot lot more that we could say about him tonight because there's, there's been a lot of stuff in the past couple weeks that he's been under fire for saying and doing. But I just wanted to bring this out tonight because I was like really surprised, like you know. Well, I'm not really surprised, but, you know, it just, I don't know, it just baffles me. But I think that's about it for tonight. It's just been a long, oh, my goodness, like, been a long couple weeks for me, man, just with work and just just everything else. Like, pretty much right now, my job, we're going through peak season, and this is the holiday season, so... You know, pretty much I'm hoping to get through this next month, month and a half, and I'll have my life back. But, yeah, so – but we're we're still going to be pushing ahead. We're going to still have um, our weekly show. Um, a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of preparation that goes into the shows, and it's just uh, – yeah, it's really time-consuming, you know. So we appreciate, you know, all of our listeners. We appreciate people that support us. Um, you know, you know, we don't take it lightly. But yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year, we're going to be doing more. Um, right, I just wanted to get the weekly Urban Wire back up and started, but we're going to be having more uh, interviews. We're going to be having more uh, one-on-ones with different people, different organizations from around the city. Uh, more news you can use. So that's that's my 
um, Milo 4 2016. It's just news that you can use. So just be on the lookout for that. Uh, Michael, I didn't know if you had anything else that you wanted to bring to the show or you wanted to, any plugs that you wanted to put out there before we close up the lines tonight? No, not this evening. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll be looking out for excerpts from our last um, three previous shows. Um, I've been working on them, um, you know, as I can. Uh, I got one up about Tyshawn Lee, and um, a lot of people have watched that video. I've gotten some comments on YouTube from it already, so I want to thank you guys for that. Um, Until then, to spread the word about the Urban Wire, if you like to be a commentator, let me know. Um, a lot of you guys have my personal Facebook page, so just hit me up on Facebook. Or you can email us now at ucofw.indy, that's indy, ucofw.indy at gmail.com. So that's pretty much it. Um, until next time, um, be safe, have a wonderful holiday season. And we will talk to you next Monday.